0: Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 49. Today, I'm welcoming Elizabeth Hartke to the podcast. Elizabeth is a strategist who teaches entrepreneurs how to scale their influence and income without sacrificing their time and values. Today, Elizabeth and I are going to talk about what's blocking your business growth, how to break down those barriers, how to identify who you want to become, how that aligns with your business, and how to course correct if where you wanna be isn't where you are right now. Her goal is to teach entrepreneurs how to run businesses that align with their purpose and dreams. And here's the thing. She practices what she preaches. Thank you so much for joining us, Elizabeth. All right. You ready? Let's
1: do it. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you.
0: So Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I just cannot wait to dive in. So for those Zimmerman podcast listeners who might not know you or what you do, can you give us like a small recap of your story, your business journey, and just
2: what, what you do now, kind of what led you here? Yes, I would be happy to. Thanks so much for having me on. I think the the biggest piece of, of my journey, I, I remember having this itch for entrepreneurship when I was a kid, but it stemmed from the fact that that was what I grew up with. So I grew up in a family of small business owners and entrepreneurs, aunts, uncles, cousins, my grandparents, my parents. So it was super familiar to me. But there is this piece of growing up with that that I loved which was the fact that my parents never missed a ball game of of mine or my siblings and they never you know missed a dinner at the table with us but it came at a price because of them being in entrepreneurship, if they took the time to be with our family, which they did often because they had that flexibility, it meant they had to make up for it later. So I have a lot of memories of you know my mom putting us to bed at whatever time we went to bed, eight o'clock, and then seeing the light go on in the dining room from down the hall and her sitting at the dining room table plugging away on work. And I think that's what both sparked uh, an energy and an excitement to get into entrepreneurship for me was that, like, I want that flexibility. But then once I got closer to it and went to college and started learning, there were other options. I was like, oh, maybe it'll be just easier to get into a nine to five where I have, you know, the reliable paycheck and I can climb a corporate ladder, And within like five minutes of that, I knew that I was suffocating in a cubicle. It wasn't for me. So I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to build a business that allowed me to both be around the dining room table with my children at dinner time when I have them someday, which I now have three with my husband, but without having to pay for it later. So my pursuit of entrepreneurship over the last 10 years has been one of evolution. There was like the phase of hustle and all the craziness that I saw my parents do. But now we're in a stage where we've built the passive income streams and the residual income streams. And it's something I'm really passionate about teaching other people. So I am a business scaling strategist and I teach entrepreneurs how to scale their business in a way that allows them to be present with their families, allows them to have that freedom and that free time to be put into you know, their day-to-day life the way they dreamed about it when they started entrepreneurship instead of having to perpetually live in the hustle. And it's something I feel really strongly about because it affects our next generations. These entrepreneurs are the ones that are, are raising those little leaders that they're you know, sitting across from at the dinner table and I want them to be able to be present while also getting paid. So that's, that's my story. We live on a farm out in Wisconsin with our three little babies. I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, we just run our own businesses from out here on the farm
0: you and i have similar missions in that sense of wanting to be a present mom and present for our family like our families were for us and but not wanting to have to you know burn the midnight oil but i want to be really honest because i think i think there's a lot of people elizabeth if i'm being really honest that talk about oh, this is all you do. And it's great. And then you can make this money and you only can work this many hours a day. And then you can travel the world and all of this stuff. And the truth is, or at least it was for me, there is a period where you do kind of have to hustle a little bit. Um, you know, at least at least that was the case for me. I definitely think there's a difference between, you know, uh once you've once you've done that hustle right, once you've burned that midnight oil, you you learn, oh man, there's a more efficient way to do this. And you start to, you know, create boundaries within your business and you start to become more efficient and all of those things. But it's it's sometimes it's a learned process. And I think sometimes us, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can be kind of stubborn and hard headed and sure, you can tell me that works all you want to, but I'm gonna do it my way. And I think sometimes we have to learn that the hard way, don't you think?
2: I absolutely agree with you, and something I want to point out, and kind of piggyback on what you're saying, is it's true there has to be this period of kind of paying your dues. Like you got to do your do the work. That's like the cover charge. You know, you're getting in the door. You're not going to just magically right out of the get go get it right and build all these multiple income streams and just be rolling in the dough right when you leave your full time jobs to pursue entrepreneurship. But at the same time, the major mistake I see people making in entrepreneurship, and something that you know I think is so detrimental. So many people want to get into entrepreneurship because of this vision of something greater, right? Like they have a mission. they they want to serve people. they they're passionate about something. They want to bring that to life. There's no doubt about that. the right The ones that are doing it right have that. It's not just about the money. But they think that in getting into entrepreneurship and picturing this vision for their life, like maybe it's more freedom of time. Maybe it is traveling the world. Maybe it's all those things that you just described. They think the formula is hustle and hard work plus time, eventually equals freedom. And that is one of the biggest lies of entrepreneurship that I've ever personally experienced. If you are not strategic and intentional in how you build your business and you do not set goals and build a business model and and revenue streams that support that vision for freedom or whatever, put you know, insert your vision here. You will not get there. Time is is a thief. It is not going to support you in the process. Just if you if you nose down and grind. I know so many people, including my parents, who are still you know could be retired but are still hustling because of how they built their businesses, uh, where it has been year after year, decade after decade of nose down grinding. And it's the same thing every single year because they haven't built in the the business model and the intentionality into the business to ensure that that vision is ultimately reached. And exactly what you said could happen happens, which is pay your dues and you will get that. You got to pay your dues, and but you got to do it intentionally and you got to do it strategically. Gosh. Okay. So
0: today, We're going to focus on the biggest entrepreneurial growth block and how to break through it. So tell me, what is the biggest growth block for entrepreneurs?
2: You know, it might not be what you think or think I'm going to say, or maybe your listeners might be like me in that they're expecting something super, um, you know, Tactical. This is tactical, actually. This is action oriented, but it might not be exactly what you picture. So, I could talk all day about building the proper income streams and the right business model and all those things I just mentioned. But without this fundamental piece, it can never happen. So, as entrepreneurs, most of us are really good at being dreamers, like casting that vision, having that image of how we want our lives to play out and where we want to ultimately go and what we want our businesses to look like. Uh, But We're so focused on that that sometimes we forget that in the process of evolving our businesses, there has to be an evolution in ourselves. We have to be growing into the person that is capable of both achieving that vision and achieving those goals along the way and also sustaining it. Like you see it all the time in, um, let's say, actors or professional athletes, where they, you know, they kind of like 18 years old. Graduating high school and they get plopped into the NBA and they make all this money but then they, then you hear stories about how they've lost it all like hundreds of millions of dollars it's crazy it's because they didn't evolve into the leader that they needed to become in order to sustain that that wealth or that achievement or all those things that um, they're getting or they're not living a you know a wholesome life or they're you know like just not doing what they should be doing or they don't have a strong value system it's because they they haven't yet become Who they need to be to get there. So, to me, that is the fundamental block in actually achieving success in a whole perspective not just like I'm not just talking money or notoriety or you know how many followers are next to your name I'm talking about success from the point of like you wake up every day and you feel fulfilled you feel a level of peace and achievement you know that you're living your purpose yeah you do have money in the bank and you can do so many of the the tangible things that you've always wanted to do but you also have that Sense of confidence that, like, you're in the right place, you're serving the right people, you've done the right things, and that if, God forbid, something happened tomorrow, you'd be kind of ending your days knowing, like, yep, this was it. This is exactly how it's supposed to play out. You know, people are asking the wrong question. They're asking, What do I need to do? Tell me about how to build my email list. What do I need to do? Tell me how to grow my social media. That's the wrong question entirely. It's who do I need to become? Mm Hmm.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so good. And you know, for me, so I started my business in 2011, and it wasn't until you know I I did that whole thing for about five years, where I just thought, and that because that's what I was told, right? I I was told you you kill yourself for five years, and then the money will start to come, or you know, then maybe you'll turn a profit. And I just believed that lie. And it wasn't until after I had my daughter. And I came home one day and, you know, I'd been gone all day and I reached out for her. She was eight months old and she didn't want me. And of course she didn't want me. I wasn't, I was never home. And, uh, you know, I didn't even have any money to, (laughs) to that I was bringing home to, to compensate. You know, sometimes there's people who are very absent, but they've got bucket loads of money. So they're like, well, look what I'm providing, you know, for your future or whatever. I had none of that. I had $0 and I was gone all the time. And it wasn't until I stepped back and said what do I want my life to be like? Like not, -hmm. not what do I want my work to be, but what do I want my life to look like? Like, let me just pretend for a second that I've got a bank account filled with money and that no one depends on me for anything. Like what does my day to day look like? What time do I wake up? When do I eat breakfast? When do I, what do I do? When do I go to work? When do I come home from work? Do I, do I work five days a week or maybe just four Am I stopping at three or six? You know, I mean, just all these things. And it wasn't until I kind of started to identify who I wanted to be and how I wanted to spend my time outside of work that I was able to become really clear on what my work actually needed to be.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'd so agree with that. And that's getting granular like that, like where you're you're not just casting this big picture vision. Because I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm a big thinker. I'm a dreamer. I am not a details person. But when you can get granular and say, yeah, if I achieve this dream, can I make sure that each day that I'm living in that dream is how I'd want it to look? Because sometimes we have these mm-hmm. beautiful visions for our life based on what we've seen other people live or what kind of expectations have been placed on us. You know, we we picture ourselves traveling the world, speaking on stages and doing all these incredible things. But the day-to-day that is taking you away from your family and being on the road all the time and, you know, living in hotels. And like if your ultimate day-to-day dream is to have more freedom of time with your family, but you didn't get granular and say, wait, this big vision that I think I'm working towards actually doesn't really line up with how I want to spend my days there's a disconnect there. So I love that you brought it to that, that real granular place because it's so important. It sounds so simple, but that's, that's life. Like most of our life is lived in those simple moments. So what do we want those to look like? Right. And we have to look at the whole picture. We really do. Because
0: I remember when I was 18, I started getting a degree in broadcast journalism. You know, I see people on the news and I see them, you know, behind the desk and they're on TV. And I thought, yeah, that'll be great. And about a year into broadcast journalism, when I started doing like the college station, you know, producing behind the scenes, I was like, why are we here on a Saturday night? Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is when we film. And I thought, Oh no! Like I don't want to do, and it was it became. I I thought, why did I never think of those things? Why did I never think that, of course, you are going to be working at night when people are at home eating dinner with their families. You would be working weekends when people are enjoying, you know, the the weekend or traveling or whatever. And so, I just saw the person you know behind the desk on the television, and so I very quickly was like, oh, that's not the life I want. Right, and so I you know, changed majors. What are some practical tools that you have for identifying who it is that you want to become instead of what do I need to do? What is my purpose?
2: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you asked because it, it, it can feel like this real, like esoteric topic that's super out there and a little too big picture to get granular with and specific with, but it's not true. You can actually get really, um, tactical with how you make sure that you are in pursuit of that person so that you can achieve those things you want to achieve or live the life you want to live. And I think I compare it to and I I heard this um, preached once in a sermon, and it always stuck with me because it's so true. When you know you go through a gestation period of pregnancy there's a reason that it's it's 9 months long which can feel like an eternity when you're in your ninth month but it's it's that length for a reason and oftentimes when babies are born prematurely they they encounter a lot more struggles and and potentially they might not even if they're born too early even survive outside the womb and so often we especially as go-getters or entrepreneurs want to be like picked up right now in this moment and dropped into our vision for our lives or the goal that we really want to achieve. But we're not ready because we haven't gone through that whole evolution evolutionary process in ourselves. So one of the things that I think is so important when you're breaking down who do you need to become is thinking about and picturing and describing in detail that person. So you, you've got this vision for your life. Like you talked about, like you're picturing the day-to-day. What does she look like? What is her level of physical energy? Because let's say that you picture yourself springing out of bed with the sun at you know 6.30 in the morning with no exhaustion or, or this like draining fatigue that you currently wake up with. That means there's a gap between who you are today and, and who you need to become. And that gap, can tell you something. It can say, okay, well, in the process of this evolution, if I'm this like fit, healthy, vibrant, energized version of myself popping out of bed at 630 and today I'm this sluggish, exhausted, you know, drained human being who's hitting the uh, snooze button 15 times – what gives? Like, what do I actually tactically need to do between today and and becoming that person? Well, I need to start prioritizing my health. I need to fuel my body differently. I need to cut out the foods that are causing inflammation in my system. I need to stop being so dependent on caffeine. I need to meditate in the mornings. Like, You can actually start to craft a plan in each category to make sure that you're working towards that person. Sometimes it's not something so... Obvious, like health, maybe it's something more like in this vision for your future. You see yourself speaking on those stages and you're super empowered by the thought of it. But today, you know, you don't have those skill sets yet. Or when you speak, you feel like you're going to crawl out of your skin and die because it's terrifying to you and you haven't developed that yet. So you can actually start to develop the skills that you need to get there Um, or even the confidence, like a big piece of that growth process so often for so many people is confidence if they had this unwavering belief in themselves and in what they're what they're doing and who they're becoming now all of a sudden things start to fall into place because they're not questioning their every move they're not worrying about other people's opinions they're not changing and pivoting based on you know what the rest of the world is doing they have their blinders on they know who they are they know where they're going and they they believe in themselves so actually looking at that person in that vision in the future, break her down, like describe her in enormous amounts of detail from the actual physical person that you see in that vision to how she thinks, like the lens through which she views the world, how does she operate? And and then look at the gap and say, all right, what do I have to fill this gap with to make sure that I'm growing into that person? Because there's a reason you're not yet at that vision. And it's if you were the... If you were the person that you needed to be, you would be more likely to be at that vision, but you're not there today because you're not yet her. You're not ready for it. So let's get ready for it.
0: Elizabeth, you and I were meant to be uh, business best friends, I feel like. Oh my because, gosh, I love um, it. You are so, like, I am like, yes, 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 you are speaking my language. I completely am feeling everything that you're saying. And what I loved about what you just said is you said, you have to break down who that person is. And I just want to take a moment and look at the word breakdown, because honestly, that kind of is what this process is like. This process of of finding your purpose, it is not for uh, the weak. It is, uh, it is something that is hard work. And it is, uh, you do kind of even, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically go through a bit of a breakdown, mm-hmm. I believe, or at least I did in order to get that um in order to find that purpose i believe that those dreams that we have those visions i i struggled with this for a minute where i was like gosh why do i why do i have such big dreams like why can't i just be content why can't i just be grateful for what i have why do i continue to want this or to wish for this or to strive for this why can't i just be uh, content. And uh, someone said to me, one of my very closest friends, she said, uh, who do you think instilled that in you? That is your purpose. Like those dreams that we dream, uh, those things like it's the world that is telling us, no, that's too much for you. That's too big for you. But what we feel inside, that is the answer. That is what we're supposed to do. And so if you dream of, you know, uh, speaking on a big stage and right now you're scared to talk to more than two people at a time, yeah, there's going to be some work to be done and you're going to have to probably have a bit of a breakdown and and break down what you want and figure out, like you said, how to fill in that gap. How do I get from being comfortable talking to two people to getting comfortable to talking in front of 2000 people? Well, first step is we got to go from two to three. So how do we do that? Maybe you have lunch and you invite three people. I mean, it's steps that you've got to take and and none of these things happen overnight. I mean, my real growth you know i'm in year gosh 10 now almost 19 uh, nine. i don't know any of the numbers um <laughs> i'm in year 9 <laughs> like i started in 2011 what year is it i'm in year 9 but i you know just just now kind of feel like i am exactly where i'm supposed to be in my business and it's been quite a road and a journey um you know and i also think that it takes quite a bit of healing I read this the other day and I want to read it to you and you tell me what you think but an unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything someone does a healed person understands that the actions of others has absolutely nothing to do with them and each day you get to decide which one you will be and I think even in entrepreneurship We like you said. We've got to be confident, hundred percent, and part of that is getting healed. Totally, we've got to healed so that we 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 don't take offense and we don't compare, and we can gain our confidence.
2: Yeah. Oh, completely. And you know, it's funny. I I want to stay on that for a minute because you you said something and I got goosebumps when you talked about like the actual breakdown that has to happen in order for the build up. You know, like I think people. When you're in this pursuit of growth and in both business and, and life, and you start to understand and really embrace this concept of like, okay, who do I need to become? There are days that it is a slog, like it is brutal. My most rock bottom moments have happened since I consciously chose to grow into her right? And prior to that, it was easy for me to just kind of stay numb, like complacent. Life's fine. I'm good. I'm not trying to go for anything really big. So when you don't have the climb. You don't have that far to fall. Like it's a lot easier. And a lot of people choose to live that way. And it, it was tearing me apart inside because I knew that, like you said, like when that's placed on your heart for something more, it's there for a reason. You know, a lot of people say like, how do you know, you know, where God's guiding you or what your purpose is or what the universe is saying? It's like, I feel like that's why God gave me my gut. Like my intuition, when I just sit still and I pay attention and I listen to it, it tells me you know, what I'm being called to, even if I don't like what it's saying. And in terms of the healing process, so often in this growth process, the growth is going to come from the moments of healing because you are going to come up to your ceiling and your wall and ceiling and wall over and over and over. It's not just this process that all of a sudden, I think people get this feeling like once persons, once a person has gotten into this certain level of success or growth or whatever, that everything's all easy for them, you're continually going to butt your head up against the next thing that feels like an impossible mountain to climb. But the thing is, is that Sometimes that mountain is healing. Sometimes that mountain is like that little voice that you've heard for the last 30 years telling you you're not enough or you can never do it or you're going to fail. It's like, oh, wait, those are my daddy issues coming out and I need to go to therapy. Like sometimes it is just what is the breakdown that has to happen? What is the healing that has to take place here in order for me to continue to grow? It's not just let me read this leadership book and now I'm going to be a leader. And then let me read this book on speaking and now I'm going to be a speaker. I think sometimes we try to do things so passively from behind a computer screen or behind a book when really it's a sit in the stillness, feel the pain of it, and know that if you want the, the most amazing life, the most incredible version of you, you are going to have to experience and embrace that breakdown that is going to happen in order for you to, to heal and grow and get to those next levels. So, I'm I, that like when you said that, I used the word breakdown, but I didn't think of it like that. And you are so, so right with that.
0: If you want to build a great business or live a good life, you've got to plan for it. Every year, I take a whole month to reevaluate the past 12 months and figure out what worked, what didn't, and how I can create a life I love for the following year. I teach you my exact planning process in my program, Know Your Numbers, annual planning for your best year. If you want a free training to get some tips on planning your best year yet, go to Zimmerman com slash know your numbers. That's Zimmerman com slash know your numbers. I use the example a lot of um seed packets. So uh, to me, you know I, I, I consult people like you consult people and it's people will come and they'll say, well, what's what's the one thing you did? And it's like, oh, honey, it, there's not one thing there is there is working every day, working every day and and you know moving towards a goal but but i I think about it as a seed packet. and so someone reads a book, right, and they take a seed packet. Someone listens to a podcast and they take the seed packet. Someone goes to a workshop, they take another seed packet. They go to a conference. They do a consulting call. They buy an online course and they have all these seeds. But how can you ever expect to have an incredible garden if you never plant the seeds? Mm -hmm. If you just take the seeds, you take the information, but you never do anything with it, I I really believe that there is a disconnect and there are a lot of people, well-meaning, good people who really think, if I listen to this podcast, if I take this online course, I will have the answers. You will have some of the answers, but you will never get where you want to be until you do the work yourself. And that's part of, you know, when you plant the seeds, that's where the underground work begins you know, that's where it's the stuff that no one wants to see. It's the stuff or that, that no one can see. It's the dark stuff. It's the breaking down, you're breaking down the soil and you are, you are trying to find those good nutrients so that you can eventually pop out and be fruitful. And that has a lot of, you know, we have to do a lot of uh, unlearning, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back about when I was in 4th, 5th, 6th grade and I would have an opinion about something and I would be told to shush. No, no, no. You're not old enough yet to have that opinion. That was someone shushing my leadership skills. So I, you know, went through a lot of my life thinking that I had to kind of dim that side of me and I had to really unlearn that and go, no, no, no. That that natural feeling of wanting to speak up, that's that's my God-given gift and that's what I have to you know embrace
2: absolutely yeah
0: once you kind of figure out who you want to be and you've defined this person what do you do when that is at odds with the path that you're
2: currently on how do you how do you course correct yeah uh, that's a great question I think one of the most uh, masterful skills of a successful entrepreneur anybody that you've seen you know in the limelight that's doing it right is the art of the pivot. Like there is no one that chooses that course in the very beginning and stays on it the whole time. And I think in just knowing that, like setting that expectation helps and and understanding that you're going to be led as you continue to grow. There have been the, the business that I got into years ago is not even close to what it is today both in its growth, but even like the track I was on or the, the products I started producing and the things I, the content I was putting out and like, there were just so many pivots because you have to listen to what the market's saying. You listen to what your heart's saying. You listen to, you know, what you feel called to and where your strengths are and you develop new strengths and new passions. Then you become a mom and you're like, okay, now this is a new pivot because this is a whole different lens. I view the world through now that I didn't even have. So like, there are just so many moments where you're shifting. And I think that the key is coming back to that vision. I have a vision exercises that I do with literally all of my clients. And it's called the future forecast formula. And it's something that I personally do quarterly with my husband. Um, You can do it by yourself. You can do it with, you know, someone that you trust and on your team or a spouse or whomever. And the whole purpose of it is when you have those touch points throughout the year, at least quarterly, or, you know, even if it's once a year, it's better than nothing. Then it's not as hard to pivot because the pivots are small, Versus doing what so many people do when they reach out to me, which is they've been doing this for a decade and they did the whole, you know, Hustle plus time is going to get to freedom, and now I'm a decade in, and nothing's changed. What's going on? Why am I not fulfilled or happy, or and why do I have no time for my family? And their pivot's going to be a lot bigger because now it's like, okay, you had this brick and mortar, and now we got to shift this whole business online to build a business model that's going to give you that freedom. It's a little bit tougher, but totally doable. Um, whereas if you're saying, I'm going to come back to this vision every couple months and make sure that it's one still the vision that I want, two still in alignment with my my, the goals that I'm setting, like a lot of times we'll have have a vision, but then we set goals that aren't actually the stepping stones to get to that vision. Like it actually leads us off course. So making sure the goals are in alignment with the vision that are in alignment with your values and, and how you want your life to look and all of that. And then really having someone to hold you accountable or support you in that process. Having the courage to connect with a mentor or hire a coach or have someone that can say, hey, you know, you said you wanted this. Do you still want this? Because the way you're going and what you're currently doing isn't actually going to get you there, which is very hard to see when you're the path is overgrown, right? Like you're creating this path. So when it's overgrown, you can't always see where you're going. And you kind of need that guide to be a little bit of a compass for you and say, hey, I think it's time to course correct. So coming back to the visionary exercise every so often, keeping a pulse on on your path and where you're going is important. Having that expectation that pivoting is part of it. Like I tell people all the time, launch the thing, like create the opt-in, develop the course, do the talk, and then see how it feels. You might create this whole thing and and do something and be like, oh, God, this sucks. Like, I hate this. I hate creating online courses or I don't even like speaking on stage or why did I make this podcast? It's such a drain of my energy, whatever the thing is and say, okay, great. That frustration or that struggle is actually just as valuable as doing the right thing because it's teaching you what's not working for you. So also being willing to do the wrong thing so that you can learn and and grow from that and make those shifts as you go. Yeah, I think that, man, you cannot get clarity
0: without experience. Yeah. So, I mean, you can either, I tell, I say this all the time, you can wonder, wonder my, my husband is a thinker more than a doer. And he wonders a lot. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day I hear him go, I wonder, you know, it's just always. And, um, and I will often say, well, why don't you just try it? Because if you, it doesn't matter what it, I wonder what this plant would look like if it were planted here instead of there. You know, it could be something like that. I'm like, Why don't you move it and see what it, what it looks like, if you like it better. Because you can keep waking up and wondering every day if that plant would look better over there, or you could just it up and move it and get clarification and go, oh, actually like it, or "Mm, I don't, I'm going to move it back. Either way, you're going to get clarification. And so experience is so, so important. So I love, I love that you said that. I talk a lot about commitment versus motivation. I'm sure you get asked all the time what motivates you. And I think that it's not about motivation. It's about commitment. And um, I think if you look at anything that, you know, is worth having, it, it takes commitment. How long do you have to be committed and and consistently show up in order to be seen, you know, as as a go-to in a specific industry?
2: That's a great question, and I don't know if I have a super specific answer to that, and I know that people want that. They want to know like, okay, fine, I'll do this if I know that if I put in two hard years that like at the end of those two years there's going to be fruit at the end of this thing so that I can have my harvest and there isn't always that guarantee like putting a timeline on it. I think sometimes stifles us because now we're sitting there looking at a calendar instead of paying attention to our people and what they need and where we're going and how it feels and we make it all about this destination versus like the journey. You know, we we cast this vision and we forget that that vision might be 10 years away, but how many incredible celebrations and wins are there going to be in that decade? of us pursuing that greatness. Like so many, more than we can even put on a vision board, like more memories that we create, more lessons we've learned, people that we didn't expect to meet, experiences we're going to have. So I I don't think I can put um, a time on it. And I, like you, am so not a details numbers person. So to even like remember my own journey, I can't, <laughs> like it's in in specific. But what I would say is that commitment that you talk about is Everything. It's everything for you and that confidence that you need to develop, because the reality is, is that you are going to have to stay the course before you have the evidence that it is going to be fruitful, what you're doing typically. So that means you got to be a little crazy. Like that's where the faith comes in of. I'm going all in on this. I believe in it. I believe in myself. I'm going to make it happen. I can't answer the question exactly when it's going to happen, but I know that if I truly put my all into it, not the like I've been kind of showing up for a couple of years, but like I've gone all in on this thing, at least mentally committing to it, that it will yield something positive for my life and in my pursuit of my dreams and my vision. And it also, that's what makes you into the authority figure because people watch you and they see that you're not wavering. Like when you're one foot in, one foot out, how can someone respect that? Why would anyone want to join you on the journey? Why would anyone want to pay you money to guide them when you don't even know if you want to, like you kind of give up when times get hard or or when life becomes inconvenient or when stresses come your way, you're like, well, well right now this is just the season I'm in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of back out a little bit. That commitment creates that authority and creates that leadership principle of like, I don't give up, I never quit. I might pivot, I might quit on a concept, but I'm not quitting on my dream. I'm not quitting on my pursuit of becoming that person. People respect that. Like you can't look away from that. When you see these people that you just admire their work ethic and and how they've gone all in, it's it's a big part of why so many marriages are failing because of That lack of commitment. It's like, I, you know, things are getting hard and it's becoming inconvenient. So I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to give up on what I said I really wanted in the first place because it's not easy. It's like, no, you committed to this. And, And it's a choice to show up for it every single day, even when it's so dark and so ugly and so, you know, you feel so defeated and you're completely drained both physically and emotionally. That's business too, you know, but when you go all in and you just believe and you develop that confidence and you work that muscle, um, that's when people start to see you in your space and say, hey, she's still here. She's still showing up. She's starting to develop some pretty prolific content that's adding value to my day and making a difference in solving my problems, I believe in her. And that's where the momentum really starts to build. I'm with you. I don't think it's a, I don't wake up with motivation. Like there are days I'm so tired and one of the kids is sick and the other one's like totally thrown a wrench in the plans because they've asked me to go play with them. And I can't say no. And it's like, I had this whole day planned out of content, but you, you just shift gears. You, you stay the course, you stay committed. And, and you know that even through those tough times or the inconvenient times, you're going to, you're going to find a way to keep showing up because you believe in your soul with all your heart what you're doing and what you're pursuing that mission that you have.
0: I just want to, like, stand up and, like, give you a standing ovation because (laughs) everything you just said, like, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. And, and like, because I think there's nothing worse. And I think, you know, we've all, we've all experienced, you know, maybe um, following someone who it's like, they don't even trust themselves. Right. It's like they, they make a decision and then they go back on mm-hmm. the decision or they, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna show up live every Tuesday and then they do it one Tuesday and then you never see them again on a Tuesday. And you're just like, what? I mean, what? And I think that so much of that stems from what you said about, about the confidence, you've got to have the confidence before you can be fully, you know, good with your decision and back yourself up because in entrepreneurship, no one else is going to do that. Right. You've got to be good with doing that yourself. And that, you know, goes back to healing yourself and all of that. And the thing about commitment, I loved your analogy about marriage because it's so true. I read a book called The Beautiful No by Sherry Salata, and I had the wonderful pleasure of getting to interview her on this podcast. But one of the things she she said in her book. And when I read it, I thought, oh my gosh, that was like the simplest statement, but nothing has ever been more true. She said something to the effect of she had been trying her whole life to get fit or to lose weight or to, you know, learn to eat right. What exercise is she going to be, you know, enjoy or whatever. And she always kind of tried these totally new things, tried them for a couple months and then, you know, Faded back into her old ways. And she said, when I finally kind of sat down and looked at it, and I looked at all the people I kind of admired, you know, in a physical way, none of these people were doing these radical diets or radical, you know, exercise routines. They all were just doing simple everyday commitments. Maybe they weren't going on a 20 mile bike ride. Maybe they were just going on a walk every day. Maybe. They were choosing to have oatmeal for breakfast, five breakfasts out of the week, rather than, you know, bacon and eggs. And I don't know, it was just these simple kind of everyday little commitments that added up to this end result that that we want. And I think it's the same with entrepreneurship and with business. It's It's those little everyday commitments and decisions that eventually are going to give you the outcome you want.
2: Exactly. And that's something that I feel like needs to be highlighted is the fact what you said, like, oh, they decide to go live every Tuesday and then they peter out and they quit. It's like they're basing the success of their commitment on the metrics in the day to day, which is like. Asking for a reason to quit. You know, if every post I put up or every blog or every podcast in the beginning, all these different things, if I based it on how many likes I got, how many downloads I got, how many people were commenting, I would have quit a thousand times because it's like, oh, those are the wrong metrics, though. You're basing your, that's like people that work out for a week and then they look at the scale and they're like, see, it doesn't work for me. But this is a, when you're committed to the vision, it's a different ball game. If you're committed to the activity and you're basing the success of the activity on the little metrics we're talking about, and that's where you're getting your motivation from. I get my motivation from the fact that I'm doing the things that I know are ultimately going to lead to the vision that I have for the one life that I have to live. That's pretty damn motivating to me. I don't care how many people like it because I know this is one little tiny grain of sand on an entire beach that I'm going to be dropping sand onto. So I can do it a billion times and not, you know, yeah, sometimes it, it stinks when you have a, a goal you set for something and you fall short in, in those metrics. But are you doing it for that goal or are you doing it for the bigger vision? The goal is just a stepping stone to get to the big picture of where you ultimately want to be. So um, that's just so huge. Like people sink their hope and their motivation into the wrong things. It's the long term commitment. It's the long play. And it doesn't mean it has to take forever. It just means that you can't do it based on like what other people are doing or how you're being celebrated or the little wins that you might get today because you're not doing it for today. It's so true. It's so, so true. And I think, I don't know about you, my, uh,
0: I I love the strength finders. And my number two strength is futuristic. It sounds like yours is too. And that's very natural for an entrepreneur because we think in the future. And I think it's easier for people like you and me to do that, to to look at the long game. And I think, you know, uh, some people are more day-to-day oriented and that is more difficult for them. But I also think that if you look at your, if you can, if you can try to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And learn how to little by little start training your mind to think that way. It, it can get easier. It can mm-hmm. practically. Where do you show up? Like, how do you know where to spend your time? Because, like you said, you've got you've got a farm. You've got three babies. Like, where where do you know that you need to show up, and that that's going to be beneficial for your business?
2: Yeah, I would be completely lying to you if I told you I had it all figured out. Um, My kids are young enough that I'm still, in my opinion, in this like early stages of learning, balancing, you know, motherhood. I have two businesses. You know, I'm the sole provider for our family. We bought this 12 acre farm, in newsflash: I can't even keep like an air plant alive. And now I have this big organic garden. I have no freaking clue what I'm doing with any of that. Like, <laughs> there are just so many things. We also, uh, I don't know when this will air, but we decided that we're buying a dog and six chickens, and they're all coming in the same week. Like, we we just love to just try new adventures, which means there's a lot to juggle outside of. The businesses that I run. So, for me, the the saving grace aside from having a stellar team that fills in my major gaps, which are like I really struggle with organization and I'm not a detail oriented person. I'm very much a big big picture thinker and a visionary. So, I have a team that helps me take my big ideas and ground them in reality and create a project plan to get to them and break those down into okay. Elizabeth, this is where you actually have to show up today. So they kind of help me with that piece of it. And then I live and die by block time. I, I don't open my phone or do anything until I have sat down with my planner and know exactly how my hours are being spent with wiggle room. Because my office is right off the main part of the house, which means one of my three kids is bound to pop in and to show me something and want to do something or have a boo-boo. They need a hug or something. And I want to leave room for that. I don't want to feel stressed. I used to like back everything up one appointment or call or piece of work I was doing against another. And it always felt stressful when it got interrupted. So now I build in that white space. But I know that my time is best spent as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, in my own personal growth. So I spend half of my day every day in that. Um, whether it's reading, I have you know business coaches. Uh, whether it's you know unearthing something that's like that I seem to be butting my head against up against or struggling with emotionally or personally, it's in my health. Like that's a huge pillar for me in both what I teach and what I do. If I do not feel energized physically. If I feel like I'm, if I have brain fog or fatigue or I'm struggling with pain or anything like that, it's directly affecting my output and my business and the lens through which I view the world and my level of confidence. So that's something that, like, multiple hours a day take my focus. It doesn't mean I work out for multiple hours a day, but something in the health realm is getting my focus multiple hours a day, even if that means rest, you know? So that's a big thing for me, but just really that personal leadership growth, business growth takes up a big chunk of my time. And then secondarily, my my time is best spent mentoring my people. Sometimes that's through content one-to-many, my podcast or, you know, pieces of content I'm putting out on on my blog or social media or whatever. And sometimes it's one-to-few, like working with my mastermind members or my personal clients and really working with them. And and then the rest of the time is, you know, usually blocks for content. So I just have to block things out. I have to leave enough white space. So there's plenty of wiggle room to to be able to be a mom and, and do the random things that I wanted to build this life of freedom, so I don't want to stack my schedule. You know, I want to be able to to practice what I preach, and just you know, grace to me can either be a gift or or a cuss word. You know, because sometimes we say like, "Well, I'm giving myself some grace," so that wiggle room, that freedom to to bend as life calls for it. But then sometimes I feel like we use it as an excuse as to why we're not showing up and say, "Oh, just give myself some grace," but it's really like. I'm just not doing the work. Walking that line finally and and using it appropriately is important, but for me my business hours are short and sweet because I built this life and I designed this business to align with the vision I had for that life, which is a lot of simple full moments with my family. And that's how I live most of my time. What I love most about what you
0: just said is that you spend half of your day doing the things that you love, like working on you. I say that I can't start my day until I've done three things, until I've worked out, until I've done a devotional and I've meditated. And once I've done those three things, then and only then can I work or then and only then can I be, you know, a mom, a wife, you know, and do all of those things well. Now, of course, we all know that there's times that your kid comes in and you're, you're, you know, I'm not talking about, Literally, I'm just saying that for the most part, I try every day to get those three things done before I start my day. And I think for you, I just love what you said. You spend half your time doing something for you because honestly, when you are the best version of yourself, when you are your most confident self, your most healed self, you don't need all these hours to do all this work, especially if you have a team. I'm trying to beat this cross people's heads. I don't I I really try doing one thing every day in your business. One can lead to bigger results than like killing yourself with all with this huge to-do list every day. Absolutely. It just really can. It really can. What can you tell us about creating a vision for your business and then nailing that vision?
2: Do you believe in vision boards? Do you do all that? I do. I I'm probably I'm not as like such a stickler about a vision board specifically, but I do think it's great because you also have to know how you resonate with that vision. Like, if you're a really visual person, then a vision board's great. Like, having those images in front of your face that are continually reminding you what you're working towards is a really powerful tool. I really connect with that vision when I can, like, Flesh it out a little deeper than what can go on a board. So, I might have a board or, a, or an image in front of my face, but then I'm a writer. So, I sit and I write and I describe that vision in such vivid detail down to what we were talking about, like what the days look like. You know, this, this property that we bought less than two years ago was one of those visions. And it's almost eerie how detailed my husband and I got when we were describing what we were looking for, for our family, like the life that we wanted to be able to provide for our children and the experiences we wanted them to have and, and how we pictured the days being, and it's like, this is what we designed. And it was less about a specific physical image to me as it was about the description of those days, which came in writing for me and in really talking about it and dreaming about it with, with my husband, Michael. So I feel like the the vision piece of it, you have to figure out what which of the like the specifics, you know, how you deliver it and which way will resonate with you most. But I am I, I just believe so much in really just getting clear on what it is you want, not what it is you think you should want, not it what it is that um, someone else has that looks good. So you think it'll look good for you, what it is that you feel most called to and then asking yourself the question, do I have the courage to do what's required to get there? Because most people, when they tap into their craziest, most untapped, uncorked vision, it's big. They're not anywhere near it. It's really far off. So that's kind of scary. And it's when you're talking about like the most amazing thing that you could ever imagine, well, likely that's going to take a pretty incredible amount of work and effort. And You have to just then get super real with yourself, because what I struggle with, and probably like five, six years ago, I was working with a very different clientele. It was more people who were very new to entrepreneurship. They... Um, hadn't gotten into it yet, but they were dreaming about it and they wanted to do it. And I thought that was the audience that I really could serve and wanted to serve because that was me at one point. You know, I resonated with that. And now I work with people that are well into their business and scaling that business. But when I was in that stage, I struggled because I so deeply wanted those wins for people and I could teach them how to have this crazy uncapped vision and they would. But I never... Got them to get real enough. You know, I never thought to have them ask themselves, now, do I have the courage and do I have the the discipline to do what's required to get there? And what ended up happening was because we weren't asking that question and because they were just so focused on this vision – it ended up being this devastating thing for so many people because now all of a sudden they know what they want. Like they'd gone numb for so long and they didn't even allow themselves to dream. But now I taught them how to dream, but they weren't willing to do the work to get there. So it just led to pain, you know, like this massive amount of disappointment, like, oh, time's not just going to get me to that vision. You know, a little bit more work's not going to get me to that vision. So I wanted to shift gears, talk about a pivot and start working with people who had that discipline, who had that courage to do what was required, even if it meant, you know, the healing process and all those things we talked about today. Yeah, I I could not believe in the power of vision anymore as long as you're willing to back it up with what's required to get there.
0: Mm, yes, yeah, so true.
2: Do you think there's ever a time when you when you can be so deep into
0: executing a vision that in reality it really no longer serves you? How can you be aware of that, because I think that that happens for a lot of people. I think they just get so stuck on an idea and they've worked so hard on it and they don't realize this isn't really serving me any longer. How do you know when it's time to adjust based on what are the real traction points of your work?
2: So something that's helped me is having what I call a true north. And we have we my husband and I each have our own um kind of list of our true north. Like they are our standards, like the things that if we dip beneath these values or these just standards for how we choose to live and what we want, we know with extreme certainty that we're we're off course, and something's got to shift fast because it it we're out of alignment. And we have one for our family. We have our Heart Key True North, and and we li- and it's for us and the kids. So that when we it makes it easier for us when we encounter those moments where we might be um like full bore towards a goal or a dream, and all of a sudden we notice that like one of my True Norths is being a very present, deeply connected mother to each of my individual children. When I'm dipping beneath that standard. And that's the cost. That's the cost of going after this this vision the way that I'm going after it. I know that it's not serving me in the ways way it should. It doesn't mean I can't go after it anymore, but I might have to like rework how I'm doing it. Meaning maybe not as many hours are spent towards it, or my face is in my phone a little bit too much, or what you know, whatever it might be that's taking me away from that true north. Because when you are super hyper clear on what your values are and what those standards are, and you're like. I don't dip beneath these. And when I do, I know I'm off. So that's how I know I fix it. That has been that's been the only way because I get so into stuff like I become so fiercely passionate, especially when it's in tune with my mission and, and the people that I'm seeking to serve, that it's really easy for me to get lost in that and and not even really notice where i'm falling short in the other areas but when you've got these things literally painted on a canvas in your home and in front of your face every single day it's hard to forget so like that that's been my way of not doing that
0: if you love zimmerman podcast and you end each episode thinking gosh I just need more of this in my life. Boy, have I got the thing for you. I just got back from recording the audiobook for Sleeping with a Stranger, and something about recording the book out loud made me both excited and terrified. It is by far the most exposed I'd ever felt, but for a listener, it's the most personal way to take in the story. As a special treat, I'm releasing my audiobook seven days early on May 1st. And if you buy the audiobook in the month of May and email your receipt to kelly at jessicazimmerman.com, that's K-E-L-L-I-E at jessicazimmerman.com, you will be given a backstage pass to an online Sleeping with a Stranger special event with me and special guest Brian Zimmerman. He's kind of the leading man in the story. So set a reminder for May 1st and buy the audiobook and email us your receipt to claim your backstage pass go to sleepingwithastranger.com to snag the audiobook on May 1st. Okay, so I have two more questions for you. Sure. One of them is going to be totally selfish because I think <laughs> that it's interesting uh, and you get this. You're in your own business, I'm in my own business, and I find I find my time, you know, helping other people in their businesses, and then uh, sometimes I wonder what you know I wonder if somebody could do this for me, like what that what they would see or what the holes would be or whatever you know I'm in a position right now where I did you know weddings and floral design for several years in twenty eighteen. I did my last wedding, um so I have you know nearly two years that that have gone by since my last wedding, and since then I had pivoted into you know just the online education. Um, so we have uh, four online programs, courses, you know, they get one is the signature course, the business behind the blooms, and then there's the power of pinning, know your numbers and a winning website. So these are all kind of, you know, one is very specific to wedding. The other three are just kind of entrepreneurial in general. And then I've got the podcast and then, you know, I've kind of pivoted again into uh, by sharing the memoir and that is more sharing vulnerably on a personal level, not mm-hmm. not so much a business. And when I think about, I like to kind of do this, honestly, once a year, what you're talking about, about like the really asking yourself, like, who do you want to be? Who do you see yourself right now, you know, being? And because for me, I think that that changes. I think that I'm a multi hyphenate and I feel like everything that I do is leading to something else. I mean, when I was in the wedding industry, I was like, I have no idea why I'm in the wedding industry. I'm not into this. I don't care. Um, I don't know the names of the flowers. Everyone else does. Like I just kind of felt like a fraud. And then online education, while I enjoy it, it was really the vulnerability that I enjoyed and the connection with people. And I find that talking about my personal life, and my personal struggles and just things like we were talking about earlier about healing and about having to like break yourself down to really become your confident self. I find that that is what I really am passionate about sharing. And so I look and go, well, how do I scale this now? You know, I've got these online courses and I've got the podcast and I've got the book. Like, what do I do if I don't want to write another online course? How do I now scale my business?
2: Yeah, such a good question. And I'm, I'm such a strong believer in asking that question. Like, I feel like in asking that you're leaps and bounds ahead of so many people who never even think to ask it and end up, you know, keep doing the same thing. And the the cool thing is that there are so many different ways to have multiple streams of income and multiple ways to pursue your passions and if you're finding that you're you're finding a sweet spot like with this vulnerability message and if you feel like it's something that you can extract and then teach there are so many different methods of delivering that like if you decide man you know an online like I don't want to do another online course well is there a way that you like first of all who exactly do you want to serve and once you identify that answer is that an audience that would appreciate like Group coaching in this, or maybe a high level mastermind. Like, if I'm working with people who are, you know, bringing in a higher amount of money and I can teach them how to weave authenticity and vulnerability into their business and their brand for a greater profit, maybe I can create a mastermind around that and break, like, you strike me as a connector, like bringing people together. Maybe that's a, something that you could do. You could look at, like, something for us. We, this was part of our vision for this farm. And I've been having a blast with it is we do full immersion experiences where we say, okay, like you want to scale your business, you want to take it to the next level, we're going to figure out that business model, your marketing strategy, all that, come out to the farm for a weekend. And we do like a really high level, just, you know, us and that that business owner, or those business partners. And flesh it out. So, like, there's just so many ways that you can bundle your knowledge and extract that knowledge and deliver it to your people. And the the key is you want to find ways to do it that are either high enough price point, like a mastermind, for example, that it's worth, you know, it's one to many, like it's versus one on one, where it's not a very scalable business model, where it doesn't require a ton of your time, but it's a it's a ton of value to somebody, so they pay a high price point for it. So that's a really great scalable process. Same with like group coaching versus like getting at, you know, you don't want to be in the one-on-one space for everything or like really high ticket stuff, like the, the full immersion type things or retreats or things in person. Um, you can be doing, you know, even some one-off like smaller programs, like tripwires or, uh, mini courses or things like that if you wanted to, but I could totally see you in a space where you're breaking into kind of a higher level clientele that could really benefit from your wisdom. And, and the stuff you're becoming more and more passionate about and really own that space and start to position yourself that way and have things that are really, you know, just requiring less of your time, but something that you're super fired up about and you can really start to craft that.
0: Oh, that's good advice. Thank you. That is so good.
2: I think that it's also just so important. I think sometimes
0: people think that, you know, if they're supposed to be an expert, they can't ask the question. And I just want to always... Whenever I'm with someone else who is, you know, wise and just listening to you, you have so much wisdom. I'm just like, no, I am always going to ask the question. I always want to ask it. That's how we learn. Um, I never want to think that I know all the answers because I certainly don't. That was good advice. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked because I know other people, you know, that's the very quick answer. I probably could come up with 20 others if I got to know your business better, but that's the humility in you and the The leader in you that knows, you know, you're you're always looking for those next levels and there's zero shame. And it's all the brilliance in the world to be just asking questions like John Maxwell says, great leaders ask great questions. And how else do you learn and and grow if you if you're always pretending like, you know, every little detail, you're going to miss out on so much.
0: Ah, So true. So true.
2: Okay. I could talk to you all day, but I know you've got three and you need to, you
0: need to go. So I've got my last question. My final question. This is always fun for me. Okay. So if you had Oprah money, okay, like more money than you could ever imagine, and you had to spend it on something for yourself, totally selfish, what would it be?
2: Okay. The first, the first you said spend it on and my mind immediately went to like my whole family extended mom, dad, everything. But then when you said self, my mind immediately went to uh, a beach home. It's just like, that's totally on our vision board. I grew up going to the beach. It is my greatest happy place in the world. And in my mind, when I picture that, it's like that becomes this um, nucleus for to like bring people together and to have my family together in our favorite place on the planet. And yeah, that's an easy one for me. And I don't even care if it's a freaking bungalow. Like I just want a spot on the beach where I can bring my people together and be in my favorite place in the world. That's so good. I I love that
0: question because I think what it does is it ultimately answers, you know, what you're most passionate about. And so it's family. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, time for sure. Your family, which is incredible. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. I have loved, loved, loved every minute of talking with you. How can our listeners find you?
2: Well, first of all, I've had a blast. You're an incredible interviewer, and I'm—I I just think the work you're doing is awesome. So I, I appreciate you having me on, and the questions that you ask were awesome. Okay, so they can come find me at our my podcast, which is Scaling Up, and you know we're always talking about. The strategic side of things and the leadership and growth side of things for for business and life scaling or just on my website, which is Elizabeth Hartke, H-A-R-T-K-E.com and on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And I actually have um, a gift for your listeners. I put together a worksheet to kind of help with this whole who are you becoming question that really helps you flesh out and ask you know, ask the leading questions that are going to guide you to have that visual of who that person has to be and then the actual steps required to get get there. So hopefully that will help and I'll be sure to pass that along so that you can share it with your audience if you'd like. Yes. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes. That'll be perfect. Thank you so, so much. Well, I hope gone. you have a
0: great day and we will just, we will talk soon because I, I this cannot be the last time you and I talk. No, it just can't. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Well, Zimmerman family, I hope you loved my interview with Elizabeth Hartke. If you ever needed a reminder that you can show up authentically and run a profitable, balanced business without sacrificing your values, I hope you know that it is possible. And more than that, I hope you have practical tools to help you apply this in your own business and life. Until next time, I'm Jessica Zimmerman, and this is Zimmerman Podcast.
1: If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.